Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. I've talked a lot in the last year or so about a lot of players that had a connection to Nashville or owners or some fans, Negro League players, minor league players, major league players, but I've really never talked about an umpire. And there was a very special one who called baseball games at Sulphurdale in the Southern Association. Now, he called games at all levels. Quite honestly, he was a resident of Memphis but his name was Harry Samuel Johnson. And I'll tell you a little bit more about his nickname by letting you know that he had a reputation among players that even his whisper was as loud as the sound of a steamboat's whistle. And so Steamboat Johnson became famous in the annals of the Southern Association as one of the most colorful characters to ever don an umpire's gear. He was born in Pottsville, Pennsylvania on March the 26th, 1880, where his father owned a saloon, and the family soon relocated to Elmira, New York, where Harry played first base for his school team. He wasn't quite known as Steamboat yet. Then his family moved to Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania after he graduated, and he continued to play and managed in the Sandlots, and he loved baseball. He actually was a co-owner and manager of a team in 1909 when he realized that the umpires he had been hiring were less than adequate. He decided that he could do a better job and began umpiring games in the fall. There are a lot of people in the stands that think they can do a better job than the umpire, and I'll have a little bit more to say about that just a little bit later. But being an umpire for Johnson came naturally, as Harry was not only a student of the game, but he honored impartiality in his judgments while knowing the rules inside and out. And no matter that his voice was boisterous, his quick interpretations and sound decisions gave him a reputation that helped him to earn the trust of managers and players. After a season in Pittsburgh semi-pro leagues, the Ohio and Pennsylvania League hired him for 1911, and his professional umpiring career was off and running moving up to the Western League in 1912 and the 3I League in 1913. He found himself in the National League during the 1914 season and worked 54 games as an extra umpire, but not retained for the next season. Steamboat was not deterred and worked in the New York State League for the next three years. After one season in the International League in 1918, He saw his first tenure in the Southern Association for two years in 1919 and 1920. It was during the 1919 season, working a game in Atlanta, where the sports editor of the Atlanta newspaper wrote, None of us know where John D. Martin, John D. Martin was president of the Southern Association, none of us know where Martin got this umpire Johnson, but he has a voice like a Mississippi River steamboat. And from now on, he is Steamboat Johnson to Atlantans. Well, the name stuck. He was known as Steamboat throughout the league and beyond. The South Atlantic League president, W.W. Walsh, asked Johnson to umpire in 1921, as that league was known for rough players who felt they could frighten all the umpires. Successful in bringing stability to the umpire corps, 
Johnson had a clause in his contract that he could return to the Southern Association, and his second tenure there lasted, get this, from 1922 until 1946. In 1935, his book named Standing the Gaff was published, and it documented much of Johnson's professional life for 25 years. Harry determined that he had umpired over 4,000 games and made a million decisions. And a chapter of umpiring questions and answers was a guide for his readers, and he gave a testament to his authority on the game he loved. He held power in his knowledge of the game and throughout his career was often called on to speak to umpire organizations. Once his book was published, Harry would hire youngsters to sell copies before games in the southern ballparks in which he was umpiring. And if his game decisions were not popular with local fans, they would often throw his own book at him. But what would Harry do? Harry would gather up the books between innings, resell them before the next game, and he would continue to resell books for the rest of his career. But in his book, he described how he came to be a Southern Association umpire when he visited league president John D. Martin's office in 1919. After describing what was the intended demeanor for umpires, Johnson looked Martin in the eye and said, there are only two people whose opinions I care anything about. One is you, Mr. Martin. The other is Mrs. Johnson. And he was hired on the spot. He also knew how to handle himself on the field, whether behind the plate or in the field. He wrote, a doctor sitting in a box close to the playing field in Nashville was razzing me every time he thought I missed one. And finally, I turned around and yelled, doctor, they bury all your mistakes. And he said the doctor laid off of him from then on. Johnson would receive letters from managers, ball players, and fans from all parts of the country asking for rulings on freak plays. According to Johnson, he was greeted to a pop bottle shower in every Southern Association city, and he figured that at least 4,000 bottles had been tossed at him in his career, but only about 20 ever hit him. He would probably say better that books were thrown at him than bottles. He was incredibly proud that he'd never used tobacco or alcohol, and fans recall that after the final out of the last game of the season, every year, he would turn to the crowd and say, God bless you. Local sports writer Fred Russell affirmed Steamboat's vision. Some fans called into question when he wrote, and do you want to know what he had in the front part of his billfold? A certificate from a Memphis optician that his eyes were 100% okay. Now, between 1947 through 1949, Johnson became the supervisor of umpires in the Southern Association. In 1950, he opened an umpiring school that lasted for one season before he fell ill. And he had a kidney issue. And as a resident of Memphis, Johnson died on February the 20th, 1951, at the age of 70. And Fred Russell, the Nashville Banner sports writer, reserved a special paragraph in his sidelines column on February 21st, 1951, the day after Johnson's death. He wrote, I always thought that the advent of the public address system in ballparks was Steamer's saddest day. Ed Danforth, sports editor of the Atlanta Journal, had hung the steamboat name on him, and Johnson's daily delight was the act of announcing the batteries, batteries, that is and then giving home plate that eager, brisk brushing off with his little hip pocket whisk broom. 
Russell eulogized him again in one sentence in a 1962 memory. And could any umpire brush off home plate as gingerly as Steamboat Johnson? Steamboat Johnson, famous umpire, not only in the Southern Association, I think, but throughout all of baseball. If he gets letters, if he was getting letters like that, asking about uh, certain plays, then he was pretty well known for his expertise. Now, a, a word on umpiring. I've been reading recently about umpires not wanting to participate anymore in sports because they're getting catcalled by the fans or punched out or tire slashed. There's no room for it. Sportsmanship has gone out the window, as my dad would have said. And that's no, there's no place for that. If you're a fan, be a fan. I used to tell my Little League parents, when your kid walks through the fence and onto the field, he's mine. And when you take him home with you, you can feed him all the popcorn and soda you want to. But I get to make the decisions. And the umpire gets to make the decisions too. When your boy or your girl walks onto the field, and if you want to cheer them on, that's great. There's a little razzing can take place from time to time. But let your coaches call the game and let your umpires umpire. So let's end on a positive note. Let's honor the players and the kids that are playing this game, the coaches that are playing this game, and the umpires who are calling fair games and that their best team can win. Thanks for listening in.